working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and you're listening to 66.6 fm radio tovh the flush Well, hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Thrashenkill. You're listening to another thrilling episode of The Toilet of Hell Radio Show. It's another episode of The October Spooktacular. And to celebrate, we have another guest. First up, we have the seasonally appropriate 365 Days of Horror, or Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I am good, even though it wasn't seasonally appropriate weather the past week. It was like 80 degrees where I am, and like only now is it starting to be actual October weather. I mean, it's like 80 degrees where I am, and I'm like, oh, perfect, it's October weather. <laughs> With us, though, we've got a special guest today. Jordan, you want to introduce? This is a longtime Twitter mutual of mine, as we were discussing before we went on air, of how we've kind of known each other, looking at each other's work, but haven't really interacted with each other all that much because the internet's weird like that. But really happy to have a connoisseur of movies horror movies bad movies we've got cecil from good bad flicks how's it going good man thanks for having me really stoked to have you today um for folks that are not familiar uh good bad flicks long-running video series where you cover horror movies or forgotten sci-fi movies or there's a recent video that you did that i found incredibly informative um forgotten 3do games (laughs) (laughs) Um, you, re- you recently put out actually, yeah, if you don't mind me asking this, uh, this video on, uh, ex- exploring plumbers don't wear ties. Um, I recently saw, um, I think it was, uh, limited run games doing a re-release of this. And I was asking myself why, and then actually your video explained everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, why? Here's the answer in video form. <laughs> Um, the Plumbers Don't Wear Ties video was very, very, very special to me. Uh, as I said at the very tail end of the video, I kind of explained my history with the game. Uh, way back in the 90s, um, I was reading a magazine uh, that was dedicated to the Turbo Graphics of all things. Hell yeah. And they had mentioned that there's this video game called Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. It's the worst game in the history of ever of all time. Whatever you do, do not buy this game. It is complete garbage. So when I see that, I say, okay, I need to go out and buy this immediately. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so as, as you would. So I went to my local um, GameStop. And um, I saw that they had it there, surprisingly, because a lot of places, I mean, it didn't really have the widest release. And I went up to buy it. And the guy at the counter just was trying to talk me out of it. Don't buy this. You don't want this game. It's horrible. It's everything that's wrong with video games. And so eventually I was like, okay, that's great. I'm going to buy it. So I bought it. I brought it home. And I don't know. It's just... It's just there's something very special about it. It's this weird slideshow game that you it's it's this it's this sort of bizarre rom-com. And I mean, if if you've ever seen I mean, James, the anger video game nerd did a a video, you know, a video about it uh, back in 20 2009, I think. And then it got re-upped into YouTube at 2012. But um it's it's just a really weird game and i always was i wanted to know 
why? Like, how was this team made? <laughs> what, what, what was the, you know, how, because because at the time, this was 1993, I believe. And at the time, um, there were full motion video games. You know, we had Seventh Guest and Night Trap and Sewer uh, Shark. Yeah. And, yeah, so it was like, it was weird that here was this game that was kind of promoted as a full motion video game because the game starts with the the actress uh, talking to you, the character, explaining what the game was about. And then you actually go into the game and it's it's just a bunch of pictures and with with audio to kind of go along with it. And so I just wanted to know what it was. And I had been trying to track down uh, the creator of it or anybody that worked on it for years. And the, one of the major problems was the guy who uh, it was his whole project was Mike Anderson. And that's, you know, it might as well have been John Smith as far as trying, you know, a common <laughs> name. Uh, so getting a hold of the correct Mike Anderson took forever. And I initially, um, I was able to get Jean Bassone cause she was easy to find. Um, she was, you know, she used to be on glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. She did a, a bunch of stuff and she, she, so she's got like a presence out there and, and a less common name. So I got a hold of her and, and talked to her a bit about it. And, uh, she gave me a lot of info and I was like, you know, do you, have any contacts with anybody else that worked on it? And she's like, no, she's like, dude, that was like so long ago. She's like, I really, I did it. I had a great time. I really enjoyed it, but I didn't keep in touch with any of them. So I have a friend of mine, uh, who's an investigative, um, video game journalist. He writes books and stuff. And, uh, I was like, look, dude, I really need your help. If you can kind of help me find this guy. And he did a lot of digging for me and he, managed to find out that limited run was doing the plumbers don't wear ties uh video game and so he put me in touch with them and then i was like talking to the guy who uh was more or less at, in, at the time was in charge of the plumbers don't wear ties thing and i was like look dude i'm i i know you're doing the plumbers don't wear ties video um thing i want to do and i explained what i did i, I want to do like a documentary on this and i showed him some of my other work and I said, do you have anybody there that, you, you know, that I can get a hold of to talk to? And so he put me in touch with Mike and I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. So I talked to him. I got the entire story. <laughs> and then I went back to Limited Run and was like, look, here's the video that I did for this. Um, I would be honored if you would include it with the limited run um, special release of Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. And they were like, absolutely, that's awesome. We were looking for stuff like this to attach with it anyway. You know, we have interviews. They have, um, you know, I think they're going to put James's uh, Angry Video Game Nerd video on there. But they have interviews with him because that was one of his most popular episodes. And so they're like, they're going to put that on there because I explain the entire history of it. That, you know, so what, your video is included in a special features in, in the re-release of this. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it to, to me, honestly, it's it's awesome because the game is special to me. And now it's even more special because it's, you know, my video is going to be included with the re-release of quote unquote, the worst video game of all time. That's, that is a hell of an accolade there. 
yeah, I'm I'm really like I know a lot of there's some people like I had a lot of people that were contacting me initially and they're like like why why would you do this who cares <laughs> and I'm like well because I'm like look at I'm like just watch the video and a lot of people watched it and I had people that contacted me that were like I have I've never heard of this game um but your story it's actually kind of sweet cuz here was a guy who he just wanted like he wanted to see if he could do it and he did it. He wanted to see if he could make a video game. It's and just a wealthy, better or worse, a wealthy gadfly who's like, yeah, maybe I'll make a video game. Why not? It's it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really. The guy had no no bones about it. He was great to talk to. He really didn't um, have an ego or anything. He was like, when I contacted him, he was like shocked. He's like, wait, people know about this <laughs> i made that i made this game 30 years ago and and then i i actually sent him james's video and i'm like did you know in the early you know 20 uh, like 2012 or whenever i think is when it officially blew because i think he originally released it on screen uh screw attack i think he originally released it on screw attack before he went to youtube if i'm i'm that's where i'm a little shady on the industry you know but i think it didn't go viral you know until it went on youtube and so i sent him the video i'm like there was this whole thing where all these people were like ranting about how terrible this game was and he saw the video and he he laughed he's like these people they're taking this way too seriously <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I just I just did this as a goof back in the 90s, you know, and he's like, and now people in in 20, 2012 and 2023 are well, actually when I talked to him, it was 20, 2022, I believe is when I spoke to him. But but anyway, it was just people are still talking about this. And he's like, and I'm like, well, there there is a fan base behind it. There are people that love this. And he's like, oh, there's it's good. People still have a sense of humor then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I think this is an incredible thing. Like um, uh, b between the re-release of this, uh, which uh, Limited Run Games was doing, I believe they did a re-release of Night Trap. Uh, I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to like other forgotten full motion video games uh, getting re-released, like a uh, Rob Schneider's Fork in the Tail, maybe. You know? <laughs> oh my God! Is is that a thing? Uh, yes, I I recommend you, you you look it up. But uh, Rob Schneider had his own. Full motion video game where he was the hero of the tale and voiced everything. Um, very, very bad stuff. I think you'd love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, I am a FMV connoisseur. Uh, I have, like, so many bad full... I don't know. For so I guess I guess because it's, it's so close to movies. Yeah. You know, like, I love video games, but um, I really was getting, like, I was always into video games. I started, like, my first system was uh, a, a, a Commodore 64. So uh, having movies and video games coming together, like, I loved Sewer Shark. I loved Night Trap. Um, and I, I honestly never heard of that one. So that's crazy. So, because I've I've played, you there are so many bad FM. I played the the, the I played um, Blown Away, which was the uh, the FMV version of the movie with um, Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh my god! Um, and they made that for children. Uh, well, no, they didn't make it for children. They made it. Uh, they, they. I mean, it, and honestly, I mean, it was like PG thirteen at worst. Right. But 
uh, it was um, it, it was really because they couldn't afford Tommy Lee Jones or uh, Jeff Bridges. So they got two people that kind of looked like them, but weren't <laughs> really all that good. So it was like it was this really goofy game where he's setting up bombs all over and you have to go and defuse them. And uh, but yeah, like stuff like that. Like, so I didn't know that. So I'm going to have to look into this. Um, but yeah, limited run, uh, they've been re-releasing a lot of old FMB games. They did, um, they did night trap. I am surprised they haven't gotten sewer shark yet. Quite frankly, I thought that one was going to be a no brainer, but I guess there might be something tied in to, uh, I mean, it's always who owns the, the contracts. Yeah. yeah. Who owns the rights? And so, uh, but yeah, they did night trap. They did ground zero, Texas. They did, um, double trap. Um, they got, plumbers don't wear ties which you know absolutely um, incredible yeah i think um i'm, I'm kind of hoping they they do sewer shark and i'm hoping uh that they get a lot of other just weird ones because it's it's neat to have them because the thing is uh the old fmv games they shot them on film so when they restore them they look good yeah, they they look as as good as I mean, I mean plumbers don't wear ties. There was no, it was just uh, Still, a bunch of pictures. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna look as good as it possibly could, you know, if they clean it up. But something like uh, sewer shark or whatnot is gonna look really impressive. Whenever the, I mean, I hope and pray that they finally you know get that at some point. But yeah, they uh, oh the other one of the other ones they're doing, um, you know the um the CDI. Legend of Zelda games. Yes, uh, notorious. Uh, you know, uh, the the license essentially going to other developers and uh, Nintendo saying we'll never do that ever again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I actually I did a video on that. Uh, I spoke to uh, the artist that did uh, you know all the backgrounds and the characters, and so I got a ton of info from him. And I talked to uh, again my friend John who uh, was the the uh, video game journalist, uh, like the, a good video game journalist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's one of the good guys. Um, he spoke to the, the head, who, the guy who did the video games uh, before he passed. He actually got the full story from him. Uh, like he was the last guy to ever interview uh, Dale DeSharon, uh, before he died sadly of cancer oh. so i got like this incredible scoop and put the whole video together and um it was really 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 good and really in depth and i'm really proud of that one and but the thing is um limited run they're not releasing the cdi games because in nintendo inadvertently still owns the rights to it and they pretty much i think they i think after the games came out and after they they uh, after the CDI failed, they bought the rights to just make sure that they never get re-released ever. <laughs> and so what they're doing is um, instead they're working with the team that originally worked on the game and they're doing a game that is an original game in the spirit of the CDI game. So it has that like artistic style and I think it's going to have better controls and whatnot. But in the, in the video that I did for the, the CD, uh, CDI Zelda games, I explain why the controls were kind of the way that they were. And cause they were very limited and they had, it, it was, it's 
it was a really in-depth and if you're like a technical person it'll be even cooler for you because you'd be like oh that makes sense they, they did this because you know it didn't have all of these buttons and had this much memory and like i really went uh in depth on that one so i was really proud of it so initially I, when i heard they were doing something with legend of zelda i was seeing if they would want to include my video as well but well, they wouldn't be able to because uh, they're not getting the Legend of Zelda. They're getting, you know, something that is, you know, it's going to be the Legend of, I don't know, Melba or something. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be careful with those Nintendo lawyers. They are uh, savage. <laughs> oh, they really, really are. They just, yeah, they they are bloodthirsty. Um, I, sorry, Jordan, I didn't mean to uh, waylay us with the full motion video talk. Uh, I'll let you I'll let you jump in here a little bit. No, it's all good. I think um, probably me and like a lot of other people that are on YouTube a lot have seen Angry Video Game Nerd and know of this game. And it's just kind of fun to see how something like that can like reinvigorate and find a whole new audience to the point where something else can come out from it. So I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, one thing I actually did want to thank you for, Cecil, is uh, another recent video you put out, Five Overlooked Films Found Footage. You unlocked a memory of mine that I had forgotten for like 35 years, and it was the McPherson tape. Ah, yes. You were one of the ones that was traumatized by it, I'm <laughs> guessing. Yeah, it's for people that don't know it, and like I actually didn't know the name of it until your video it was like a small handheld camera of what like a family celebrating a birthday and they're invaded mm -hmm. by aliens and it was passed around and people thought it was real yeah they um what happened they originally shot it as a uh, ufo abduction and this guy he he wanted it to to kind of take off he wanted but he still wanted to make it like a movie and i don't somewhere along the lines um, there was somebody who took the video, made a copy of it and cut off the beginning and the end. So the beginning, it starts off, you know, UFO, you know, with the, the, not an introduction, but like a title sequence, you know, UFO abduction. So he cut that off and then the very end, they had the credits. So all you're seeing is this footage that starts off with this guy who's got a camera and he's filming um, a little kid's birthday and then they go out and the, they hear a noise they go out in the woods and they see an alien and, and the the house kind of becomes like a uh under it turns into a siege movie where the aliens are trying to get into the house and and then at the very end it just stops and it had no end credits and so it started getting passed around at uh, conventions and stuff, uh, the paranormal conventions and all that. And people were watching this and because the acting wasn't good and it was just this, you know, and, and uh, the other thing too was the footage was just copies of copies of copies of VHS. So the quality was terrible and that just made it seem all the more real yeah. and it just terrified people who th were thinking that this family got abducted. That's uh, yeah, that's think... incredible stuff. Jordan, were you saying that you think it like caught on to some legitimate, uh, legitimate sources too? Well, I think like I can't exactly remember where I saw this, but like watching your video, like recognizing people and like seeing it, 
I don't remember if it was like on hard copy or <laughs> a current affair or it was just like one of those encounters. Yeah, it was like encounters on like aired it. Yeah. Yeah, but people kind of forget now because it's, I guess, more of a legitimate channel now. But especially in the 90s, early 90s, Fox would, like, show anything. Oh, yeah, the and... most deadly car crashes. <laughs> yeah, like even, even before that, just, you know, forgotten sitcoms that lasted half a season. But, like, they had a lot of the alien autopsy, that sort of thing. So I think, like you're we saying, that's kind of, like, where this video kind of came into at least my consciousness and forgetting about it and seeing it again was just kind of a weird trip you say alien autopsy i know exactly which video you're talking about and i remember distinctly seeing it when i was like eight <laughs> uh that's stuck in my they mind they would present forever. it yeah they presented it like you know that we're not sure this may be real and when you're eight you're watching it going this is real <laughs> it's like surely adults wouldn't lie to us this has to be real yeah right but, they wouldn't air this on a major network you know watching fox as a child i think legitimately made me dumber as an adult it's great <laughs> <laughs> because this is a heavy metal podcast we do want to talk about a, a band that I like and a band that you have a connection with, and that's Psycho Stick. Ah, my boys. Yes, yeah, Psycho Stick are, are good guys. I've been friends with them, oh, God, uh, probably about 10 years now, actually. Um, they, I had, uh, I, I used to, while I was doing the YouTube thing, I was also working at a college, and um, I had, uh, I had, XM radio at the time. And there was a show or yeah, there was a show on there called liquid metal. And every night when I was driving home, um, Katie brutal was on there and it just always, almost every time I drove home for a good year, uh, she would start her show with beer. Ah. And this is going back. I think this, this was like 20 like 2009 or something. Um, and so every time I'm driving home, they would always play beer from psycho stick. And I'm like, all right, these guys, like I, I've always loved metal, but there are a lot of like comedy metal bands, uh, like scrap metal is another one that, uh, that are just, they're fun and funny and talented. And so I always liked them. And I just, I, I was like, you know, beer, I'm like beer is good and stuff. And, and then, um, like 2013, 2014, uh, I get a message from uh, their manager, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm from the band Psycho Stick. We love your stuff. Just wanted to let you know we listen to you all the time. And and that just kind of started a friendship uh, to where I was like, hey, um, like we got to talking and it was like if you. Uh, I was like, I, I at the time I needed a new like intro bumper. Hmm. And so I was like, hey, it'd be really cool if you guys did an intro bumper for me and in exchange, I'll do a video for each of you. Like you pick a movie and I'll cover it. And so each of them like picked a movie and, uh, and then I did, or no, 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 I'm sorry. Before the bumper, it started, they did the song for uninvited. That was the first thing they did. The intro song for uninvited kind of as a goof, which was uh, about the cat inside of a cat. If you ever saw that one, the oh, yeah, Riff Tracks does that. Oh, yeah. Oh, did Riff Tracks do that one too? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I did. I did that, 
and then uh, we got to talking a while later. And like I said, we, we I said, hey, I'll do a video for each of you if you do my intro bumper. So they did the, you know, the good, bad, you know, and so that kind of became like my theme. And then they did the outro theme. They kind of did that as like um, they all they did that one on their own. They're like, hey, uh, we really want to do a video with you for the movie Anonymous Rex. Um, one of them. I don't remember which one, but one of them, it's one of their favorite movies. I think it might be Josh. And he was like, I love Anonymous Rex, but everybody else hates it. <laughs> and so they all wanted to do a video with me for Anonymous Rex. And so they did an Anonymous Rex song. And um, we never did them. We never did the song, but they they gave me a copy of it with lyrics and without. And I was like, hey, since we never did the song, uh, I'm going to use that as my outro theme. Like while I'm doing the, you know, if you like this, you know, subscribe to, to the channel and all that. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, no, no reason, reason to let it go to waste. And then uh, a couple of years later, uh, they they're also friends with James, the anger video game nerd. And they were in town for too many games. And so they went over to his studio and they ended up shooting a video for Anonymous Rex. And so they used the song. And all these because I get a lot of cross, you know, there are people that are fans of me, people that are fans of him. And so there's all these people that are like, oh, my God, I'm listening to that song. And I'm like, where do I know that from? <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's your outro song. And then I had to explain, you know, yes, they did that first. And so I kept I was waiting for somebody to come in and be like, oh, you ripped it off. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that's I somehow ripped it off in the past. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's got to be a. Uh that's got to be incredibly confusing for those folks. Like, wait, this is the, the show that I watch about, uh, the nostalgic bad things. Wait, which one is this again? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, yeah great guys, man. They're really good. Every time, uh, every year when too many games is in town, they come because they play. And so I go and I, I, you know, chit chat with them and, and, you know, they're, they're always, uh, they're always good guys, man. That's awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan of them. I have their records. Um, I really appreciate their like DIY ethic and like they really do everything on their own and uh, they really are fan supported, which is rare to see, especially to, to the level where they're able to tour and go over and play so many different festivals. Um, I've seen them a few times and my one seeing lives, seeing Psycho Stick live story is at the time, I had a beard and they have the song obey the beard mm. and there's a woman standing next to me when they announced the song turned to me with like a wild look in her eye and began just molesting my face during the song <laughs> <laughs> and like i was so shocked by it that i didn't know what to do <laughs> and i was just like eh, thank you <laughs> So Psycho Stick is bringing people together in many different ways. They certainly are. They're they're a great bunch of dudes. Like and uh, when COVID was going on, they were doing the uh, the uh, what were they Cabin Fever tour, where they were just they had the the camera the in the studio, the Twitch streams, yeah. and uh, they they had uh, they had the tour shirt, and it was like all the different dates, and it was like you know. 
uh, here in, and they just they all had just the same location on them. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a bunch of those, especially during like the really bad COVID days. And it was like a big relief. It was something to actually look forward to. And you could tell they were having fun and like a lot of fans are into it. And it was a really nice thing that they were able to do. And it helped them you know, keep their studio up and get equipment and just have some sort of income. That was like really a model that other bands should follow if they like can't or won't tour. Yeah, it worked out really well for them. I think that they originally I don't I should probably ask them. I don't know the full story behind it, but I I believe they just did it the one time as like a one off, like to kind of to, to get some money to help pay for the studio while they weren't touring. And then they saw the fan reaction where it's like all these people were coming in and requesting songs. And it was like uh, it, it was an easy way for them to kind of interact with everybody, but have this tour. But, you know, to have a live show, but not, ex- you know, not in a in a, a concert venue, but you're doing it this way. And it was neat. It was really fun to see that. And I did see a few other bands had uh i don't want to say copy that because i'm sure they they have (laughs) you know a similar idea you know they hey there's this little band that's doing this but uh (laughs) but some other bigger bands because they couldn't tour so they were doing that or they were doing like the the, um the zoom tour where each person like logged into zoom from their house and then they streamed it through twitch or whatever and uh it was it was interesting i kind of hope that some of those are archived somewhere because it would be neat to see down the road just hey here was here was a time where the world kind of shut down for a little while look, look at all these concerts it was kind of cool i'm unfamiliar with the uh, streaming technology because i'm uh, a ludite but uh like d- is there an archive of uh, twitch videos after they go live like it do they get tens well the, the thing is if you are um I know it used to archive everything. Then they went to, uh, if you're affiliated, it only will save your videos for two months. After two months, they get deleted. Uh. So you can go in and download them and keep them yourself. But uh, like, uh, uh, you know, if you if you download it within that two months period, but if you don't, then it gets deleted and it's gone forever. I know um, they used to keep archives of people that were partnered. They would keep them essentially forever. But I think they have like a six month window or something and they eventually get deleted. I think it's just that there's too much content and they would just have just no, that- mass servers full of of streams that that definitely makes sense you know how many <clears throat> videos can you save of like somebody playing minecraft minecraft to an audience of like four people <laughs> exactly um Cecil, this is this is your your full-time gig right yeah i've been doing this uh full-time since 2015 wow that's uh damn that's awesome almost uh almost 10 years of uh of going at this alone um in that time, like, what made you make the decision to say, like, I don't, I don't need a job. I can do this on my own. I got laid off. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, it, it actually, it all kind of came like everything. It, it just, it, it, it fell into place. Uh, I'll give you the very, very, very condensed version of it. Uh, I used to work at this college here in, in, on the East coast. And, uh, I had been, 
uh, around 2009 was when I saw like the the rise of the reviewerverse. You know, James uh, was was doing Monster Vision. Uh, you had the the Nostalgia Critic and all that. And the the thing at the time was everything sucks. Like every all these people, they would take a, a movie and they would talk about how much it sucks. Mm-hmm. And I was like. No, like a lot of these movies are talking about are really fun. And I'm like, yes, there are bad movies out there. But I'm like, I think why don't we highlight like some good stuff? So I had a, I have friends of mine from all over the country. And uh, I was like, hey, if I did a you know series of videos talking about just a variety of movies, would you guys watch? And they were like, yeah. So I started doing uh, videos on a platform called Blip. And Blip was a competitor YouTube and this and so um I was doing it there because um the it was a lot less hassle like YouTube uh was the bigger one but you had to deal with a lot of uh copyright drama and whatnot and there wasn't any of that over at blips so and blip also would monetize your stuff like immediately so um not that I made any money for like years <laughs> But um, I, th- I think it was four years before I made any like before I actually got my first check for twenty five dollars. Oh, so um, but uh, I was on blip for a while and then I could see like as um, like I started in 2010 and then I could see that things were kind of were going more towards YouTube and blip was eventually going out of business. So I started uh, putting my stuff on blip and on YouTube and I Initially, I was just getting comments from my friends. And then after a while, I started getting comments from people that I didn't know. And that's when I was like, oh, I think I might be, you know, this might be taken off a little bit. And um, in 2014, I had my first video go viral, which was the uh, WTF happened to movie posters. And that was when I I said, I, I talked to my wife and I'm like, I might be able to make this work. I might be able to to turn this into a career and then um that's okay in, that's got to be a hard sell with the wife in general <laughs> like i realized no, she was that, all for it i i guess I, i'm just thinking about this conversation with my wife it was like uh well we have like insurance and stuff right now so maybe don't do that <laughs> <laughs> no actually uh this is a case of where it worked out really well she's a teacher so i was already under her insurance that's so awesome. I, me not having a job, nothing changed as far as that was concerned. So that was, I believe, yeah, I think if, like, if she was under my insurance or something, that might have been, you know, that might have created a problem because, you know, there is no insurance with YouTube. But, yep. So I'm, I was already under hers. So she, she was like, okay, we started kind of talking about it. And then um, in late 2014, like actually December, uh, we had a small team that we worked with and we, they, we had lost, uh, two people on our team got laid off and I was like, Oh, okay. That's just the start. I think. And I'm, I w- was friends with my boss who I like still am friends with. Um, and I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this, this I have a, and he's like, yeah, just just keep your your feelers out there. I don't I don't know. He's like, I'm, I'm trying to keep everybody's job, but I don't know what's going to happen. And in uh, June of uh, 2015, uh, they switched over from being a nonprofit or from a profit university to a nonprofit. And um, they had this big party. And I had my boss had pulled me into his office and he's like, everybody 
is having this big party, they're all going to be laid off tomorrow. Oh, man. And so everybody was having this big party celebrating that they were going nonprofit. And I I was like, OK. So the next day they called me into the office and they said, OK, we're letting you go. And they let me and 165 other people go. And I said to my, my wife, I'm like, look, I got seven months of severance. Um you know, I, I can I can cash out my 403B if I need to. I'm like, I think if there's ever going to be a time where I can make this work, it's going to be now. And she's like, all right. So I uh, just started doing this full time. I had um, after a couple months after things like stabilized where I was like, OK, yeah, I can definitely do this full time. It's sustainable because I started up a Patreon and all that. And, uh, I, I had my, my, uh, basement turned into an office cause I needed like, because I had it soundproofed and everything I needed, I needed space that could be quiet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and I've just been going, you know, full bore ever since. Um, I've, uh, had the best year I ever had was in 2019. Um, but, uh, COVID again, bringing that up in 2020 hurt a lot of YouTubers and a lot of people, uh, because ad revenue went down, uh, viewership went up, but ad revenue went down and, uh, it hasn't come back up since because they're like, well, if we can pay this, we can still pay this. And so, uh, but uh, it's been, you know, thankfully because of Patreon and because of, uh, some of the side projects that I've worked on, like the in search of darkness series and and all that uh, i've been able to yeah, keep this going so there are some months where it's a little rough but you know you just you just got to power through them it's it, that's one of the scary things whereas if you're if you're working at a job uh you kind of know how much you're bringing home every month yeah absolutely where, when you're working on the internet uh, you might have, you know, one month you might make a lot of money. One month you might not make a whole lot of money. So it's it's always kind of scary. But uh, but get, yeah. it's it's a great job. I love doing it. Well, something that's always in the back of my mind is that you know these uh, platforms that you know you can come to rely on can just kind of change their whims any moment to completely shut down whatever you have going. Uh, because I mean, ultimately, like. Uh, they don't really care about like the person making the stuff that goes on the platform. It's kind of a bottom line issue. Uh, I don't know. Is that something that you've, you've had to deal with aside from the, um, I guess the declining revenue, the declining ad revenues, despite increasing viewership on YouTube, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's, it's a weird thing. I could go on and on about that, but I won't, I won't bore you too much. But, <laughs> uh, as far as like what you were saying where YouTube can change, you know, on, on a whim, I have a friend of mine that got directly, uh, like I deal with it, but he got really hammered by it. Uh, I have a friend of mine, Matt, that runs a channel called, uh, reckless eating and what, they he had like six he still has like 600,000 subscribers he was doing really well it was him and a bunch of friends and they would do all these food challenges and it would just be like you know eat the most disgusting whatever drink this and it was and at the time it you know it was fine you know youtube they loved youtube promoted that stuff they loved that they had yeah, all I, these people that just you know yeah i once watched uh, a guy drink a 5 gallon container of olive oil on youtube like, oh. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and like the, that video probably had like 40 million views. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was YouTube decided that that wasn't 
good anymore. Oh. And so all of these videos, like he had hundreds of videos that now all were demonetized. Oh, my God. And he's like, I this is my job. This is my livelihood. I wasn't. He's like, yesterday, I wasn't violating any rules. Mm -hmm. And today I am like, this is ridiculous. So uh, he had to kind of uh, change things around. And he's like, okay, well, what can I do? Because YouTube, they don't tell you. Yeah. They they'll t they'll be they'll they'll vaguely say, well, you can't really do this. You got to interpret then, runes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to really try to figure out what you can and can't do. So uh, now, what hit me was uh, after the Logan Paul uh, incident, the suicide forest thing. The suicide forest thing. <laughs> they started cracking down on violence. So this dumb idiot does this thing in Japan and it doesn't affect him any. But now me, I'm this small YouTuber that's making movies, you know, making videos about horror films. I can't sh I, I have to talk about horror films and I can't show sequences from horror films. Incredible. So and uh, and then they they uh, took it one step further, like before um, if there was violence or nudity. As long as it was censored, okay. As long as you couldn't tell, like, if you could kind of glean what was going on, but you couldn't see it, fine. And that, understandable. Okay, make it PG. Um, but it got to a point where uh, you can cover, you can censor violence, but you can't censor nudity. If you show censored nudity, that's the same as showing nudity. What? Yeah, explain that to me. I had videos with like people completely covered, like just a big black box covering them, and that got flagged for nudity. Oh my god. So and I would talk to them about it and they're like, "Yeah, censored nudity is as bad as nudity." And I'm like, "Well, isn't isn't people wearing clothes censored nudity?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to be stupid about it, and so now if I am talking about a movie that has nudity in it, I have to I have to sh film it. I, I What I basically do is I'll take this scene. If it's a scene that I absolutely have to leave in the video, I will zoom into it to the point of where you just see like their heads <laughs> or so you can, so it's not censoring the nudity, you know, and it, and that is the only way I can. That's the workaround because uh, YouTube's. YouTube's thing is is so stupid. Uh, their their whole thing was that that was a way to protect the children, was that uh, you know covering all that stuff up. <laughs> like, and I'm like, well, what's the point of kids YouTube then? I'm you thinking know? about all of the insane things that are ostensibly made for children on YouTube that are just like ruining brains worse than Fox when I was a kid. Uh, it's well, all fun. the all the uh all the videos the the um the, like, the elsa versus spider-man yes videos. that's exactly what i'm thinking about <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah like they're brain fine. poison <laughs> um okay i realize ostensibly this is a podcast we're doing about a movie specifically for october we've we've kind of pushed this along far enough jordan what what is this movie this movie is, which is a pretty good title, I will admit, Some Guy Who Kills People. Pretty good title. Agree, agreed on that one. 
Cecil, uh, how did you find this movie? I, like... I just kind of stumbled upon it uh, one day. It was it like it had my my wife was a really big fan of that show uh, Grounded for Life. Oh and, fuck, that guy was in that show. Shit. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, he was the brother. He, he was the brother. And so uh, I early two thousands, I just kind of stumbled upon it somehow. Uh, I saw I think like. I think Arrow in the Head reviewed it, or I—I I honestly, I'm not even entirely sure. But I was just like, "Oh, it's got the brother from from uh, you know the show in it," and I'm like, "Let's all right, let's check it out." So I got it, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually like a lot deeper than you would suspect." Like you're, you're thinking some guy who kills people, it's going to be something kind of dumb, and it's this very. Uh, well done horror comedy that is has a very dramatic like emotional story in it with with him and the daughter and 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 all that so i always talk to people whenever somebody's looking for uh like a horror comedy or they're looking for something a little bit different i'll recommend this because i'm like this is not the movie you're expecting and i've every person i've showed it to they've always watched it and they're like wow like i never would have given this movie the time of day and now i genuinely love this movie i will say that given the title some guy that kills people this is not the movie that i was expecting out of it for sure um starring kevin corrigan a delightful character actor which he was as uh, as you mentioned in grounded for life also i believe he was the uh coke dealing cousin in the departed uh, he was in uh, Patton Oswalt's big fan as his buddy. Is that right, Jordan? That was the guy, right? Uh, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned big fan because I got a lot of big fan vibes uh, while watching this movie where uh, I know it's like kind of advertises comedy horror, but there's like a little bit of comedy in it. There's a little bit of horror in it. And then there's kind of this more emotional, almost darker backstory to everything where the story could go in a lot of different ways and it can become like very serious if they wanted to go that way um but yeah kevin corrigan's also uh, for people that watch community he's professor professorson which is where uh, i remember him from most recently um also i think just off the top of my head not looking at imdb or nothing i think he was in pineapple express as well i might have that mistaken he's in, he's in a lot of shit you recognize him immediately <laughs> he's like the new that guy yeah. yeah uh so i've seen him in a ton of things i've never seen him in a leading role before so this was uh this was a change of pace for sure uh also notable in in our cast here uh my favorite character of the sheriff played by one barry boswick uh, who you might recognize as a, an older version of Brad from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> um, he had the best lines. Oh, for every, sure. Oh, yeah. All the best lines in the movie. Everything. I'm like, every time he was on screen, you could pretty much expect gold. And um, another uh, actor who's been in a ton of things, I think she was actually in the, like the last three movies I've seen, uh, is Karen Black as uh, as uh, Kevin Corrigan's mother in this. Uh she was, uh, let's see, what was I watching last night? Some, some movie about, uh, phone sex, uh, slasher thing. I cannot remember what the fuck it was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of them, so it could be, I'm trying to, yeah, I don't, I don't it's, know off the top of my head either, but search phone sex on Tubi. I'm sure you'll find something. 
(laughs) (laughs) You'll find something, all right. (laughs) One thing that surprised me that I didn't realize at the time, but I, I watched it again uh the the friend uh kevin's friend in the movie was leo fitzpatrick who was uh the lead in that movie kids wait the harmony corinne kids yes the harmony oh my god i did not recognize him at all i know i'm like oh he's an adult now with a beard because i know the other there was the two there was terry and casper and i know casper has since died um but uh but he i didn't i hadn't seen anything and apparently i'm like oh i have seen a bunch of stuff with him in it it's just that i didn't recognize him because he's an adult now and he doesn't look like like, because when he was in kids he was a creep oh yeah no like (laughs) kids is one of the most horrific movies i've ever seen (laughs) and uh Um, he was he was also johnny in the wire which i'm watching right now so that's why i know oh perfect oh okay so he was also in several cky videos (laughs) (laughs) and Uh, another big shocker that i didn't realize at the time uh he had a very small part but uh ahmed best shows up and our Ahmed Best was Jar Jar Binks. Holy I'm like, shit. oh my god! I'm like, this movie has everything. <laughs> uh, Ahmed Best, yes, he has. I think one scene as the mayor, but uh, wow, man, I didn't even realize we had Jar Jar in this movie. That's incredible. Isn't it something? Um, as far as I can tell, this was some kind of joint U.S. U.K. production. Because uh, it features, uh, well, the, the production studios includes Battle of Ireland Films, uh, and uh, our love interest in the film, uh, I believe, was in oh, God. What was it? Um, Sean Sean of the Sean Dead. Dead. Thank you, thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> One Lucy Davis, yes. Um, also in the original uh, BBC Office as well. Um, <clears throat> so, what what is the um, I guess the the one sentence synopsis of this one, aside from the title, of course. Uh, oh God, how can I condense this down to a sentence? Uh, there's a, a guy who uh, kills people. Kills people. <laughs> well, that's the that's the thing. You don't know if he kills people. Uh, there's uh, here. You know what? I'll I'll take the easy way out, and I'll you, I'll read the IMDb thing. There we go. Uh, a lonely man, fresh out of the loony bin. Uh, starts to uh, kill those he deems responsible for his miserable life, but that's I that's really selling it short. Like it's there's so much more depth to it than that. Like he, it's it's uh, he starts to, uh, yeah. I I just don't want to spoil it for anybody because it's definitely like go in knowing as little as possible, and I think that's one of the ways to really enjoy it the most. I think that's a that's a good suggestion here. So folks that don't want any spoilers, you know, this is <clears throat> stop. <laughs> Go. <laughs> it's on to everything's on Tubi. Go watch it on Tubi. Um you can come back here whenever you're ready, but uh, you know, we're we're gonna pause it for right now. Go watch the movie, you can come back to us. Um the movie begins with um pretty brutal shot of uh of Kevin Corrigan as uh, his character Ken Boyd. Uh, being beaten and tortured. <laughs> it's a, a flashback, uh, black and white, where I think it's supposedly everybody is in high school at the time, but they're perhaps in their mid to late 30s uh, in the, in this particular scene. I can't quite tell what the uh, the chronology is here. Uh, Jordan, wh- wh- when was this supposed to take place? 
This is supposed to take place in high school, and they're saying they're in their mid-30s when the rest of the movie's taking place, but rather than having younger-looking actors, they just have people in their 30s and 40s portraying themselves as younger. Which, you know, works. Um, <clears throat> uh, we, we established that uh, Ken has been uh, relentlessly harassed, uh, beaten, tortured by this crew of real assholes, uh, and we... We jump to the present where he is uh, a 34-year-old man uh, living a uh, kind of disjointed life. Um, some of my favorite scenes uh, in here revolve around his job as uh, an ice cream shop guy. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, he has a tyrant boss uh, and, uh, you know, they, they do the thing where uh, if you really want to uh, dehumanize somebody, you dress them up in a uh, foodstuff item and make them stand outside. <laughs> um, I think everybody remembers uh, one of the most en- enduring uh, images of the pandemic is uh, some guy in an ice cream outfit <laughs> saying, how the fuck am I essential employee? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's essentially Ken, uh, Ken's job in this. <laughs> Yeah, he's just treated like complete garbage, uh, and the boss is is not going to let him forget that. He's like, you know, I, I, they told me I was an idiot for hiring somebody out the loony bin, you know, and just completely dehumanizing him. And he's just a regular guy who's trying to get on with his life, and he's just constantly being tormented by everybody. And you really do feel bad for him because... He's just this regular guy who's not, tr- you know, he's not bothering anybody and he's just being tormented by by everyone. And then you slowly find out like what happened. They eventually do explain why everybody hates him. And it's such a like non thing. It's one of those typical high school things yeah. where everybody hated him for the dumbest reason possible. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. This is a reason to ruin somebody's life. And uh, they just did a very good job of explaining everything and you weren't entirely sure like was he really going crazy is he killing these people or is it somebody else and it's it's a great comedy it's a great mystery it's a great emotional story like it's got a lot of different elements that you would not expect from uh, this movie with that blunt a title yeah um I, I, I like the way that you describe that. He's uh, he's a man who's kind of put upon by everybody in his life. It's uh, he has a boss that's awful. He has these uh, his tormentors that still live in the same town, still treat him like crap. Uh, he has a mother that is horrible to him. She's so mean to him. Um, yeah. And the uh, local sheriff is fucking his mom. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. He he's like, oh, I hope, was it? I hope she rubs some of that oil on me tonight. It's yeah, <laughs> like, oh. God, Barry, no. <laughs> can't come into someone's place of business and tell them, I bought some scented oils for your mom. Like, that. you can't, that's not okay. <laughs> so, that's why I said Barry's, Barry Boswick had the best lines in the whole, like everything. It was so uncomfortable, but it was great. Barry, Barry Boswick, by far my favorite uh, character in this, as uh, Sheriff Walt Fuller, just nothing but riffs and zingers the entire way through. Um, 
just again, like uh, making little puns about uh, the the murder victims, or or telling <laughs> telling Ken's mom that he's going to go drink and drive. Just <laughs> <laughs> in general, really, really delightful character. <laughs> Eating popcorn at a murder scene, uh, asking his deputy, "Where's his head? His head's missing. His head has to be somewhere." And the deputy accidentally kicks the head when they're looking for it. <laughs> yeah, found it. Like... <laughs> um. Overall, uh, pretty pretty delightful there. There's also um, okay. So, gosh, I, Cecil, I don't know how much we want to say here. If you want to keep it completely uh, spoiler free, if you want to to expand a little bit more, we'll we'll go with your discretion on this one. I mean, we can talk a little bit more about it. Uh, he, there's because I think they they show it in the trailer. Uh, there's uh, a, a younger girl who uh, we come to find out is his daughter like and uh the mother uh got like he basically impregnated the mother like and she just took the like when she found that she was pregnant she just wanted she's like okay i want this girl to have nothing to do with you yeah uh and so the daughter finds out and so she tracks him down and she tries to like start uh a relationship with him because her mom kind of sucks yeah and she sees this guy. He's he's a really just genuinely nice guy. And she wants to start a relationship with him. And so uh, they kind of go into that like emotional uh, aspect of it where, you know, here's this guy who's going through all kinds of horrible stuff in his life. And here's this little girl who like genuinely looks up to him and wants to get to know him. And so he's starting to feel like, hey, I've got somebody who actually cares you know his is like i said his mom doesn't care everyone in town his one buddy at least is nice to him That's but true. everybody else just like like hates him and so here's this little girl who's trying to befriend him and looking up to him and it just it was it was really like sweet it brought a a, a sweetness to this that you would not be expecting and the girl that played the daughter um it's a shame she was terrific but this was actually her last movie. She actually uh, decided that uh, after this, she's like, Hollywood's not for me. Because she did a bunch of, like, she did the TV show Invasion. She was in Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Oh. Like, she was in some big stuff. Um, she was in the remake, the the, um, the Hollywood remake of Dark Water. And so she did this and just decided that she was going to go back to school uh, and just focus on uh, her education and, uh, you know, see where that led her. And so I think, she, you know, at this point she hasn't done anything else. So I think that she just decided, you know, eh, Hollywood's not for me. Probably, probably a smart move on her part. That's probably the right thing to do. I think that uh, generally speaking, the uh, child actor to adult pipeline is a little <laughs> is a little skewed. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't always work out very well. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So, but but I'm glad, you know, I'm hoping the best for her. She was absolutely delightful in this movie. I thought she was like really really a great actress and uh, uh you know, good for her for just deciding, you know what? This isn't for me. Rather than uh ending up in a bunch of like straight to cable uh booby movies or something when she turned 18. So, <clears throat> I you say that, and then I would like to talk a bit about the the director of this film, uh, Jack Perez, who has a, a number of, of things to his his credits. But again, there's there's really nothing here that would stick out as anything that you would uh, 
I guess, want to watch, I would say. <laughs> um, he was most notable for, I think, doing a movie called Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus. Does that one sound familiar to y'all? Uh, that's magical. It's yeah. that that had Debbie Gibson and Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is so a- I actually just recently I was at the uh, I'm going to name drop here for a second. Uh, I was uh, one of the guests at the sci fi horror uh, con uh, in uh, Vernon, New York, and Lorenzo was also one of the guests there. And uh, he was I, I discovered I did not know this a really big Batman fan. Hmm. Um, but he was super cool. He was, he was very, very nice. He was very pleasant, very cool to all the fans. He, and, um, he was, um, not as buff as he was back in the renegade days, but he was still in really great shape. He was there with his fiance who probably was about 30 years younger than him. (laughs) Hell yeah, Lorenzo. (laughs) Um, but yeah, seriously, get it, Lorenzo. And, and he was also very, he was very like nice to my wife too, because, uh, yeah, he he kept asking her like how her day was going and stuff, and so he was he was very cordial. He was a nice guy. So um, and but anyway, back to Jack Perez. Uh, I Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus was one of the um, sci-fi asylum movies that I genuinely enjoy. It's it's a terrible movie. Like don't watch it expecting a good movie, but watch it expecting really really awful CG and cornball effects and Debbie Gibson and Lorenzo Lamas fighting uh, a mega shark and giant octopuses. Um, again, like, uh, yeah, it's an asylum film. So like there, <clears throat> you do have that big label on the box art, letting you know what you might be getting into there. Uh, but other, other things in his credits include, uh, for example, wild things Two, which I did not know there was a sequel to wild things. <laughs> Uh, there's uh i believe there's three. Oh my god okay <laughs> um, just so many unanswered questions in the first one yeah i've got i've got sure. i've got to delve into the full series now the trilogy <laughs> the lore uh and a movie called blast vegas uh starring frankie muniz have you seen that one too no that's one that uh that that i have not seen uh i've seen uh, his omen, which was six six six, the child, which mm-hmm. was terrible. Um, I did see Wild Things too, uh, which it's it's not good, but there's a, a decent amount of nudity in it, so it's would, like all I right. Would, well, I would hope so if it's a Wild Things sequel, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of bad. Yeah. Well, it, there there what was there was one movie that I'm I'm totally blanking on now, but it was like there were all these movies that were, it was a notorious series of that was just nudity. And then they did the fourth one in the series that was a television movie. And so there was, it was just like, why, what, what is this? <laughs> and there was, just, it was terrible. I cannot think of it off the top of my head, but I just know it was bad, but uh, I've seen a few of his movies and they're, um, they're, I'm saying this and I don't mean this in an insulting way. Uh, they are competently directed. And what I say when I'm when I say that, basically what I'm saying is that the shot composition is good. uh, The framing is nice. Everything is put together correctly. Uh, There's a little bit of flair, but not enough to where you would be able to say, oh, this was directed by so and so. And I think that that is something that comes along with the asylum films where usually when they give the director the job, um, 
they don't want them to go too nuts with it because it's almost like they have a particular style. This is a brand. This is what people expect. And I know I've spoken to people who have directed asylum films in the past. And uh, usually what happens is uh, they get called up on a Friday and they say, hey, uh, would you like to direct a movie? And they're like, what's it about? And they're like, uh, we don't know yet. And it's like, well, when do I start? Monday. Oh. And they say, OK, well, what we'll do if you accept it, we'll send you a script tomorrow. Uh, you can make some revisions and whatnot uh, if you like. And then be here, blah, 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 on Monday. And they're like, all right. And then they show up on Monday and they've they've already got their crew. They've got their cast and they just kind of go. And it's a crazy way to make films, but it works for them. I mean, you know, they've made how many you know they must they have to run this like a machine though like because you know we we make fun of these movies but they here's the thing they wouldn't be made if they didn't make money right <laughs> so yeah they usually run um with the exception of sharknado sharknado was their most expensive movie and then mm-hmm. it kind of went up from there but um because they they saw that was the movie that they should sink some money into and it worked out really well for them they yeah. made six of them um, but the majority of their movies, I don't know if anything has changed because the last time I talked to somebody who worked for Asylum was probably about five years ago. And at the time, they said the budgets ranged uh, between fifty and $100,000. And then what would happen was Sci-Fi would usually buy it from them as a package. They would say, OK, uh, well, we'll take you. They would you know, say, all right, we'll take this movie, this movie, this movie. And they would just buy them all and they would give the Asylum x amount of money for it and then uh they would go okay we'll take this money and we're going to go make more of this incredible jordan you and i should get on the screenwriting for this from what i've read it doesn't take that much to just write something and get them to make it i mean they have a checklist (laughs) they say uh we want we want this much uh, violence. We want this much giant monster. We want this much uh, women in not nude, but revealing clothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and and that all factors into whether or not they will buy the film and then put it into uh, syndication. That's incredible. We uh, we have a friend uh, Kit that I think that we can use as a test audience for this. Like if if he approves of it, surely we can sell it to uh, to Asylum, right, Jordan? He'll watch just about anything, so that's, we could try it. Yeah, that's true. Um, with, with, uh, this movie, some guy who kills people, um, it is the story of a guy who may or may not kill people who's dealing with a number of demons, uh, and also like the discovery of a a child he didn't really know was still around. Um, and at the same time, there are people who die. We, we gotta, we gotta briefly talk about that if that's okay with y'all. Uh, yeah, these these murders, they're grisly. <laughs> um, there is, uh, I, I, I guess, opening with uh, was it the the fellow who gets uh, what gets his head lopped up with a machete? Well, that was the, was the second one. Oh, sorry. The hatchet, yeah, the, the one the one guy gets the he gets chased down the the he gets chased in like the warehouse district or whatever, and he gets a hatchet to the face. Yeah, that's that's true. And the sheriff is making axe puns, or the deputy is, and the sheriff is just like, what are you doing? There's a murder here. Be respectful. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Following up with that, I think that's the um, the the guy who announces that he's really high on meth. That uh, get is he the guy that gets macheted? Yeah, at the yeah, drive-through. Yeah, uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, there is a uh, throat slitting, uh, which is not a full production like it was planned to be. And w- what is the other one? Oh, it's the final uh, one that's at the um, like the supply store. Well, that was the throat slitting. Yeah, that's the that's the, the throat oh, slitting. Okay. Um, the, uh, oh, oh, there was the one in the car. That's right. That that's another just like he gets stabbed like in the in the neck in the car. Um, I appreciate how um, over the top they they went with these uh, these murders in the film. Just cartoonish amounts of uh, blood splatter everywhere. Very silly overall, and then uh, at the end, these guys posed uh, like a uh, kind of like a <laughs> I don't know, set up like a trophy display or something like that. Um, <clears throat> what, what did you guys think of the violence in this film? Uh, I thought it was done in a way that uh, it it was silly. Like it was uh, the only one that was really kind of bad per se, and I don't mean bad like uh, like effects wise bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I meant like vicious, like the guy who gets his throat slit. It just that one felt like oof. Like the other ones were done uh, very tongue in cheek. Yes. Like the 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 head flying off. Like okay, that like it was done in a way that. Yeah, I mean, if you saw that in reality, you would it would be horrifying. <laughs> but the way they did it in the movie, sure. it was it was done comically, and so I think they all were done very well. It was all practical effects, and it gave you a good laugh. Um, so they were, they were bloody, they were gross, but it was done to make you laugh and not make you like wince. So I, I, I think that that's an interesting thing that you mentioned though, with the, uh, the throat slitting one where the, it was tonally different. And I think that that's uh, an interesting, uh, way to describe it because the movie itself shifts tone fairly rapidly, uh, going from again, very slapstick comedy at parts, uh, to, you know, kind of a dark horror to, uh, again, uh, kind of like a family drama, uh, type. And again, it, it seems to make those, make those moves kind of at will there, uh, which I think is what you're getting at making this uh, a fairly unique movie. There's plenty of horror comedies, uh, but I am harder pressed to think of horror comedy dramas. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an outlier. Um, Jordan, can you think of anything that is similar? Not that I can think of. And we kind of mentioned it before of how, like, this is a horror comedy, but there's a lot of different things in this movie where they could have went off and and done different things. And, you know, I think, like, as far as, like, an entertaining watch, it works doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Cohesion could, the movie could have gone a lot of different ways. And I think part of me wanted it, much like, big fan for it to go like darker and it, it didn't really do that like i think i just wanted the mom to be killed to be honest is <laughs> part of it but like there is a lot of lightness too like what cecil you're mentioning with the daughter like she is the bright sunshine in this otherwise dark world and she is delightful and wonderful and helps bring ken like out of his past and like you could start to see it as a movie progressive he talks more he starts like ask her questions and learn about her he wears a so it's kind of like a sweet a sweetness to it uh yeah absolutely um this movie as all 
quality products is on Tubi. Is that is that where you watch the Cecil? Uh, I actually have um, the I have it on on DVD, and I'm I know uh, one of the boutique uh, Blu-ray companies, uh, they just did a restoration of it. Oh, and wow. so I'm probably going to get that, uh, whenever the black, Fr- I, I know it's, I, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's one of the companies that works with, uh, vinegar syndrome. And <laughs> I was gonna, so I, uh, <laughs> that's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to buy it like probably uh, at their, uh, their black Friday sale. Um, cause I usually, I'm at the point where I just get so many movies anymore i usually just wait for like a big sale and then i'll just buy uh all you know as many as uh, as is reasonable you know which which varies from sale to sale <laughs> you know lorber has had some great sales where they had movies for like five bucks and i would just get this massive box of like 30 movies coming in uh yeah i have to <clears throat> I, I buy okay i buy movies because i think it's important to like hold on to things physically that, um, you know, you never know, uh, if their rights are going to be pulled and it'll just disappear tomorrow. I don't remember the last time I actually put one in my DVD player. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it depends. Like I have a lot of movies that, uh, just they're, they're not available digitally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I just watched a movie the other night, um, called Grizzly Park. And, it is it's a movie that's not on any of the digital services um but it is a, a wonderful good time it is it is not the film that that you think it is and uh, again going in a, in a different direction but it but completely uh i don't i i can't even really get into describing it because i was expecting oh it's going to be a bunch of dumb people and they get eaten by a bear and it was that but it was so much more and uh it's it's not a good movie by any stretch <laughs> but it is a very entertaining movie um so yeah that one but but that's the thing like there are and that's one that i have on dvd that is just not available i mean anymore i try to get stuff on blu-ray as much as possible um, thankfully because of like shout factory and, and vinegar syndrome and, and, uh, Severin and all them, they've been restoring a lot of these movies, uh, and keeping them alive. And, uh, with the exception of Tubi, which I adore Tubi, Tubi is the, the greatest back row of the video store ever. Oh, absolutely. Like they have all the garbage that I love. Well, like going and, going through your, the the videos you've done for your YouTube channel, I'm like, oh, I watched that on Tubi. I watched that on Tubi. I watched that on Tubi. It's incredible. Yeah, I I really hope that Tubi can stay Tubi. Like, I don't want them to get bought by Disney or something. And because the first thing they'll do is they'll get rid of all this. The they'll get rid of all the reasons why I watch Tubi. Right. You know, I don't tune into Tubi to watch Doctor Strange or something. Like <laughs> I tune I tune in to watch Black Demon. I tune in to watch uh, the Little Witches. You know. <laughs> absolutely. No. Absolutely. Um, they're. Again, can't say enough good things about that. But like all good things, it's definitely not going to last forever. So <laughs> thus necessitates the need to buy these physical copies. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, also, one thing I do want to interject because I'm thinking about this. Uh, what we're we're talking about Jack Perez, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about how he was very, you know, his his stuff was very competently shot with uh, with all his asylum stuff. But I did want to say that some guys who some guy who kills people actually was a movie that he obviously had a lot more invested in because that one was it was shot very well. Uh, it was definitely. Um, done on a greater scale than his asylum. Like his asylum stuff was obviously he was a jobber, whereas right. this was a movie that he actually cared about. So I don't want to give the impression that he's a bad director. I just want to say that like he is a good director. I feel that has had to do uh, some, some bad jobs to kind of put food on the table. I'm sure. So this was a movie that really uh, was his, breakout that should have gotten him more attention at the time but just for whatever reason it never really caught on yeah and i you know it's one of those things where this could have just been a hard sell because it again is is not a straight genre flick it's uh it, it covers lots of ground which of course can be a difficult uh difficult thing for people to to latch on to yeah i mean joe dante doing uh or, or i'm sorry wait was it uh Hold on one second. Not Joe Dante. Um, uh, Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. When Schumacher was working on The Lost Boys, and it was a horror comedy. And the studio heads kept being like, well, is this a horror movie or is this a comedy movie? And he always would go, yes. <laughs> and they were like, we, we don't. And, and they didn't understand. They're like, this needs to be a horror movie or a comedy movie. And I think, like, uh, with him he probably had a little bit more uh with with some guy who kills people he probably had a lot more control being that it was an independent film but when it came time to try to sell this to the general public they probably were like well how do we market this there's a car comedy you know and and just getting people on board with it and i think that uh, a lot of people just didn't uh you know the marketing didn't really push it or the uh people in general thought that it was just another slasher movie or something uh, who knows i will say that the title probably didn't do it any favors either uh I, I could be i could be wrong on that though maybe it it is it is a unique title i will give it that but i i, I think that maybe it uh, detracts away from what's actually contained within yeah it it takes away it makes a lot of people think that it's going to be one thing but i think that's kind of the 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 underhanded punch of the movie is that you go in expecting one movie and you're delivered another movie. So it's really good if you end up giving the movie a shot. But then if you never if you don't give the movie a shot because of the title, well, then it worked against it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jordan, what are your closing thoughts on this film? Uh, there's a lot of layers to the movie that I wasn't expecting, um, whether it's different styles or just kind of. Uh, an introspective emotional look at someone experiencing trauma and living through that and struggling with it and not really getting any help from anyone that's in his life. Uh, Then you get the sweetness of the daughter coming into his life and uh, making things a little bit better, showing him love and attention and care that he's not getting from anyone else. And um, Barry Boswick's very funny in this. He is a delight. And I, without spoiling it, the, the ending or the twist that happens in it, I actually thought was pretty good. 
Like, it wasn't, ah, I'm just a crazy person. There was an actual reason for why things were happening that was, again, kind of like the rest of the movie. There was real human emotion involved in why things were happening. So I appreciated that and thought it was uh, well done. Uh, I will say I did not see the twist coming. So that has that in its uh, its favor as well. Uh, Cecil, what are, you, what are your closing thoughts on this one? Um, I really enjoy it. I'm the same way. Like it, uh, it, like I had it in my mind. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What, what is really happening? And then when they do finally kind of explain, you feel, you understand it, it does a, a very good job of explaining why it was going in the direction that it was going. And then, uh, it, it just really sets things up very well. It's, it was so well done. It's, it's a really genuinely good movie. Uh, I think if you're looking for uh, a horror movie that is, uh, has more layers in it than you would normally expect from this kind of film. I like give it very, very high scores. Definitely check it out. There you go, folks. Uh, those are our thoughts there. Now, <clears throat> if folks uh, want to stay up to, to date with your work, what's the best What's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way to do that would be to go to uh, Good Bad Flicks on YouTube and watch uh, some of my stuff. Uh, probably recently, uh, if you're into movies, I would suggest watching my video on uh, Final Destination, which I did about two months ago, I think. Um, get ready for the like the history of the series. Cause I talk about how it originally started off as an X-Files script and it sort of evolved from there, uh, all the way up to now where it's this, uh, blockbuster franchise that is getting a, a sixth movie, uh, probably next year. And, uh, if you're into video games, um, or if you like ang- uh, the anger video game nerd and you saw the plumbers don't wear ties video, uh, highly suggest watching that one. Uh, cause that one, uh, is, is one of my bucket list episodes. It was one I, I honestly, after years of trying to get a hold of people that worked on the game, I really thought that that one was never going to happen and yet it did. So I am just over the moon that that one did happen. So yeah, so check that one out too if you can. Yeah, got so got go to, got to recommend Netflix. that for sure. <laughs> Considering we talked about it for like twenty minutes, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, good bad flicks on YouTube. Go over there, subscribe, watch some videos, have a nice time. Uh, Cecil, I really want to thank you for for number one educating us uh, and number two uh, for for agreeing to do this show with us. I've, I've had a fantastic time and uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, watching this movie and getting to talk about it with you. Thank you so much, man. I I had a good time too. I, I just I like talking to other people that are just passionate about movies and just entertainment in general. So you guys are awesome. So yeah, thank you. If you ever want to have me back, you know, just let me know. Absolutely, we're gonna do a entirely a full motion video focused episode. We'll find some way to shoehorn metal into that somehow. <laughs> oh yes, I will. Uh, I yeah, would love to be here. I I am a connoisseur of of that garbage. <laughs> Alrighty, Jordan, you want to close us up? Uh, you could like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, on Blue Sky, on Instagram. You can send us an email, totalofhell at gmail.com or totalofhellradio at gmail.com. You could also find Cecil on Twitch, where I was watching him this morning struggle with OBS. Oh, yes. Well, this is the first time I used OBS. I had previously used XSplit, but uh, I decided to switch to OBS, and I was having some some headaches with that, but I did eventually punch it enough until it worked. So 
You do, but you also play video games on there. You watch stuff. You, uh, I think I've watched you watch old commercials. So it's a uh, always fun if you just like need a little bit of entertainment. And it's like watching stuff or playing games with your friends. So if Twitch is your thing, people can also check you out there. Yes, check me out, Good Bad Flicks on Twitch. Uh, we have uh, Friday nights. I uh, usually will watch. Um, a, a bad out of print well not necessarily but sometimes it's good but a a old out of print movie uh or like an old television show that isn't really available anywhere uh just old stuff and then sundays uh i will stream uh a video game right now because it's october we're doing all horror so today i did um home sweet home which was a, a horror game from thailand which uh was really good i i genuinely jumped a couple of times and i was not expecting it but uh so i'm gonna continue with that one it's really good so yeah you can find me over there as well hell yeah um as for us uh we'll see you next time uh i just got to double check that ads us is doing this because i forgot to talk to him (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll see you next time folks bye he's a cat an evil cat and he lives inside another cat You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio Radio TOVH, The Flush.